Welcome to the new healthcare economy where everyone wins for a change. Employers, consumers, primary care physicians, outcomes, shareholders, even our communities all win with costs dropping 20 to 60%. This unstoppable direct contracting movement bypasses the big middles with their crooked game boards, devious rule book, rigged dice, and purchased referees. I'm Rob Barshop, and I'm glad you're here. You know, employers might shy away from direct contracting because they perceive it to be a highly complex China wall with sharp glass on top, unassailable. But no, I think today's guest would agree with me that healthcare is really a pocket-sized Swiss army knife. It's only seven or eight blades. It's very accessible and much easier to use than people give it credit for. So let's open up those blades and look at them now. Number one is easy access to virtual primary care, which is bundled with 100% of direct primary care. So comes with package. So affordable urgent care also bundled with most direct primary care and affordable retail clinic care, which is bundled again with most DPC. That's all one blade, folks. Number two is affordable and inexpensive medication access. So script codes and pharmacy has been on our show. Direct DRX Health has been on our show. And Renee are all show guests, which you can get inexpensive meds for 90% of generics that employers need for one pill, four pennies a pill. You need affordably to get an occasional lab work done. And all labs take cash for discounts. And affordable occasional imaging. We've had green imaging, Kristen Dickerson on this show. There's 1,700 imaging centers in that universe. And affordable psychotherapeutic interventions bundled, again, with rapidly growing lists of DPCs. And I'll list them all in a hot minute. Affordable physical therapy. We've had Everyone Health and Rusty on. Plus, it's, again, bundled with most DPC, like I have with Redirect Health, for example. Easy access and affordable specialist consults. So Rubicon MD and UberDoc would be examples of that. And surgery with Sano Surgery, Surgery Center of Oklahoma, Texas Medical Management's Free Market Surgery Center, and Central Indiana Surgery have all been guests on our show. And there's 57 other free market surgery centers and 640 independent surgery centers. So then you throw in the mix third-party administrators, claims adjudicators, and catastrophic carriers for stop-lock coverage. Unless you're a consumer, of course, then you're going to want to get a health sharing ministry like Zion Health or Sidera Health or others that are in today's guest universe. Because we got to cinch up that scary risk bag. Today's guest leads an alliance of these ministries to share, shore that up for you. All right, let me go through a list of the DPCs that are scaling nationally already, which would be Marathon Health, Premise Health, Eversight Health, and Redirect Health. And there's regionals like First Stop Health and Crossover Health, which has U.S. virtual covered nationally. Proactive MD, Next Level Urgent Care, Next Era Healthcare, and Nice Healthcare. These are all good examples of regionals that are doing DPC that's bundled. And some have virtually scaled nationally, like Medici at 98.6, and Teladoc Health, and Lyric Health. And not including on my list are the Evil Empire now in 50 states, which is every buka we're trying to crash the party, but have five maligned incentives that we'll do in another show that make them the laughing stock of most people in our party. And they're sort of the drunk ant wearing the lampshade. Okay, back to the Swiss army knife in the direct world. Together, we form a movement that's 23 million members strong, which represents a third of all independent wide-scope PCPs. And as I said, 1,700 imaging centers and 640 surgery centers and 60 free market surgery centers and one in three 
Fortune 100s. We are unstoppable because we're funded by the employers and the consumers who are fed up with volume-addicted legacy sick care. We all laugh if we ever ask if we're going to go back to that old dystopia. Nope. We're all just a few calls away from relief using our Swiss Army knife. Today's guest is a trustworthy and outstanding first call if you need to find that access to this universe. She knows exactly how to boot the big extracted middles out of your life and your company's life. I've lived this now for five years. I've saved a fortune. I've never lost an employee and I have my good health back up having lost 45 pounds. In fact, we all can live in this future where everybody wins. So we're going to welcome back for a rare round three, an epidemiologist trained at Harvard, former nun too. She's led public health policy positions for five Republican senators, and she led health policy and importantly hiring in the inner circle of Trump advisors in his term. She's directly responsible, we can say, for many things, including transparency, lower med pricing, and now she's leading an alliance of healthcare sharing ministries. She's also advising employers how to save this 20 to 40 to 60 percent off their healthcare spend using these blades of this knife. Welcome back, Katie Talento. Any comments before we go? No, you have summed it up perfectly, but congratulations on your weight loss success. Thank you very much. Well, appreciate that. So do we, do we need to get you a plush robe when you hit five returns? Like what do we, <laughs> like a yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take a nice bottle of champagne. That'd be great. Okay, you got that. All right. Well, you said, I didn't put mention in your bio, but you're now a naturopath. Tell me about that. I am not yet. I am almost. So I'm, I took the opportunity during the COVID pandemic to start finding ways out of the uh, broken system myself. And I thought, Hey, I might as well just get a credential for this. I'm studying it so much. So yeah, I'm working my way through yeah. one day. I'll get there. What led you into that? You know, I think it was, we're starting to see just how much group think there is in our allopathic system among our providers. And we've lost so much trust in the white coat, you know, it used to be this authority in everyone's lives that we all look to. And, and I realized, A, that's a little bit broken in and of itself, even when that authority is rightly and properly stewarded, because no one's in our body and no one knows our body and no one cares as much about our bodies as, as we do. And uh, we have the power to do a lot of healing in our bodies. Um, maybe not all of it, but a lot of it. And so that's one reason, but, but the other reason is that that authority of the white coat has not been properly stewarded, um, as we've seen really starkly in the past few years. I, you know, I think we're starting to see the flaws in the medical school systems and, and the medical education process. You know, I think too many doctors are, are, are programmed not to think for themselves and not to, and, yeah. and who has time to study the, all the studies or even the training to understand the studies and to be able to challenge what public health authorities are saying or what drug manufacturers are saying. And so, you know, it, it's, it's really hard, but they, they rely on these other authorities. And when those authorities go down and go south and become utterly untrustworthy, if doctors aren't thinking for themselves then they lose our trust too. And so I think that's what yes. happened um, to me is I, I lost trust in the profession. I mean, there are many, many, many good people in the profession who are trustworthy, but the profession as a whole. And I started thinking, you know what, there needs to be another way. And, um, and I want to be able to offer another option to people. All right. Big change from epidemiology. So let's talk about health ministries. You're leading them. What are the issues that you're 
finding out their people are concerned about or what are people confused about with the ministries and what are your objectives? What are you trying to do in the next three to five years? Yeah, well, I think we we have several objectives. I think one, we want more people to know what we are and what we do and that we're out there as an option. I, you know, I still think the vast majority of Americans don't know what healthcare sharing ministry is or how it works or that it's not just sort of cheaper insurance. Um, it's definitely not just cheaper insurance. It's not insurance at all. Although it is cheaper, <laughs> cheaper than almost any any insurance uh, option. But anyway, so I think we want to do some education, but really we're looking to protect the freedom of these healthcare sharing ministries to operate in all 50 states. So we do a lot of government affairs at the state level, working with legislators and executive branch officials, whether they're elected or appointed, uh, to try to make sure that they understand what we are, that their questions and concerns are answered, and that they don't infringe on the liberty of people in their state to choose a healthcare sharing ministry. So there are a number of states that are kind of hostile to any alternative to, you know, insurance that you buy on the ACA exchange. And um, that's, that's a challenge. They, they sort of have a philosophical opposition. I think sometimes they're misinformed in thinking that we're stealing all the good risk out of their exchanges. That's really not evidence-based and, and not true, but they, I think they have that that wrong misconception in their head. So there's some education that we do, um, but also we, we try to get good laws passed. There are 31 states that have state laws that have recognized that healthcare sharing ministries are not subject to the insurance code because they are not insurance. And so uh, we like those laws. Obviously, we want more of them. Certainly at the federal level, there is some hostility from some quarters um, that for the same reasons, you know, that this isn't an ACA plan. It's not insurance. Surely people are too stupid to figure this out and to um, and to make the choice that works for their family. So we need to tell them what to do and what to do is to buy an insurance plan that they can't really afford and they certainly can't afford to use once they buy it. And How many members belong to these ministries nationwide? Um, a little over a million, a million Americans. So it's it's okay. really a drop in the bucket when you compare to the overall insured population. Um, and even in any state, you know, our, the states where we have the most people are Texas, California, Florida. Even in those states, we're a drop in the bucket compared to the number of people that are on there exchanges, but that sometimes these bureaucrats and, and elected officials get a little bit concerned and um, they don't want people to have options. You know, they think they know best. Are most of those folks you think belonging also to DPC as well? No, I, I wish that were the case. Um, as you mentioned, healthcare sharing ministries pair very nicely with direct primary care. And a number of ministries will even recognize that in terms of the monthly contributions that they request of you. So that if you are a member of a DPC practice, you might contribute less money every month to the ministry um, than people who were not in a DPC practice because they recognize what good stewardship that is um, of yeah. people who are participating in a DPC practice is great stewardship of the community's money. So um, some of them have recognized that. We really like to to see that pairing. All right. I also was interested in what your estimates are, and nobody is actually tracking this, but what are your estimates of how much direct primary care has been growing in the last six to eight years? We're seeing somewhere between 23 to 25 million based on guests on our show. 
if what you're saying, you know, adding another million to 23 to 25 million is a very fair number, which is getting bigger than the exchanges if you add them up. You're saying that you've estimated that 23 million people are in healthcare sharing. Is that what you said? No, no, no. That are in direct primary care relationships oh. with a corporation, with their employer, or like there are 2 million that are in the DPC Alliance or in the individual markets. And then there's another 21 million that are members to their employers based on the CEO's headcounts in my show. That is so encouraging. I don't have any numbers or better numbers or better idea than than those numbers. Um, that's really yeah. encouraging and great to hear that it's it's being driven largely by employers who are recognizing the value. That's fantastic. Well, they don't see another way out. I mean, they, this is their second largest spend, as you know, because you're also an advisor to employers. And if they can't find a way out, they're going to try anything. And and this is tried and true. We we, we had a guest, Katie that was with PBGH, I'm sure you're familiar with them. And they did a study that if you add direct primary care into your offering, that it'll repay itself back 10 to one. So we're no longer in the world of academic theory. Is this a good investment as an employer? We're now into the hard data that if you add the hard and soft costs, which are absenteeism being reduced and workers comp dropping, it's, it's a no brainer to add this to their model, to their healthcare offering. It really is. And, and I certainly recommend it to every employer that I work with. Not all of them see the value upfront. And so those types of studies are really, really helpful in terms of my making a case to them. Um, I think a lot of them just see it as a cost for a bunch of healthy people that aren't high utilizers. They don't realize what a defense DPC is against downstream costs and quality problems. Um, so I, I love it when our employers, you know, follow that recommendation. We always love to add DPC to, to plans. Um, it's really, really important. And so, yeah, I'd love to see that study that you mentioned. Do you have the idea of the wins that you were able to achieve working for the Trump presidency? Have they been able to continue? Are consumers still continuing to win? Are they losing ground in healthcare access? What's, what's your take on what's going on today? Oh, that, gosh, that's a great question. Um, I actually think that consumers are continuing to win, um, certainly with the price transparency regulations. You know, the hospital one has been in effect for almost two years now. Compliance is uh, sort of depends on how you define compliance. If you define it as perfect adherence to the requirements of the regulation, which I do, then um, compliance is around eh, under 20%. But if you define it as hospitals moving in the direction of greater price transparency, then it's nearly 100%. So almost all hospitals have actually posted a file that they're calling a compliant file, a compliant price list on their website. Many of them are not really as robust as those spreadsheets aren't as robust as they are required to be. But the fact that they're out there at all is progress. Um, and so I would definitely like to see the Biden administration, you know, putting their money where their mouth is. So so President Biden came out when he first took office and to my great relief, um, doubled down on the price transparency regs. I was very worried that his administration was going to get pressured by the healthcare industry to back away from the regs that we had done. But um, that has only happened in the case of drug costs. So um, it did happen, and it's kind of disgusting that it did. But with respect to hospitals, um, they did not they did not back down at all. And in fact, they stiffened up the enforcement penalties for noncompliance than 
much, you know, they really fixed that or at least improved that problem. Our, our regs had not had, you know, the, the penalties were kind of a joke and, and the Biden team increased those penalties. The problem is that they've only in, imposed those penalties on two hospitals in Georgia. So my understanding is that they have sent warning letters to a number of more hospitals for noncompliance, but they haven't actually um, imposed the penalties. And we'd really like to see much, much, much more aggressive enforcement. Um, when it comes to the insurance transparency rule, so we kind of had this belt and suspenders approach. We want the hospitals to post their prices, but not all care is done in hospitals. Um, and, you know, the insurers, we wanted them to show their prices too, um, not only with their contracted in-network providers, but also with the out-of-network providers that they're paying as well, um, and also with drug prices. And so they were this past July um, to post a number of their prices and they're more because the penalties are much more serious if they don't comply they they get sort of Medicare style penalties which is great and so they have been compliant even though this is a very very difficult task for them to do I think harder than hospitals it's very hard for them to, to do it but they're all trying and they're they're doing a decent job of trying so we'll put it that way and then the employers their plans, when they self-fund their own plan, they are required to do these file dumps as well. And um, their independent TPAs or the carriers that they use to administer their plans are also complying typically for them on their behalf. I don't know how many employers are really paying attention to those files that have been dumped on, on their behalf, um, but they ought to be. And so those are new because it just started in July. And they do not include the net drug costs because the Biden folks gave everybody an out on that. They also don't include um, the 300 shoppable services from the hospitals typically or the insurers because really they gave them sort of an option to do some kind of BS consumer tool that isn't really the same thing in, uh, instead. So, you know, nothing's perfect when I've worked in Washington long enough to appreciate that you never get, you know, the whole hog that you want. You never get the whole burrito and, and baby steps along the way that you can create consensus around are, are always to be celebrated, even if they're, they're not the end game. So I'm really pleased with how that's going. There are a number of vendors that are starting to spring up that are scraping up this data. You know, I heard when I was in the white house, all these whining, Katie, patients aren't going to use this data. People aren't really going to shop for healthcare because healthcare is so special and different. And so like, you know, our argument back was, well, even if patients don't use the data, they're not necessarily the primary audience. The, the real audience are self-funded employers who have the ability to use the data. But even most self-funded employers they rely on outside vendors to to scrape up all that data that's in all these disparate places and to create consumer-friendly tools that help employers or patients to use that data um, to actually make informed health decisions. So that's starting to happen. Those vendors are starting to create those products. It's really exciting. And, um, and I think it's only going to get better. So in, in that sense, I'm happy. Drugs is still a massive black hole that is kind of a disgusting um, quarter of the or disgusting neighborhood in the healthcare swamp. Yeah, the good news is that we've had three guests on, as I said at the top of the show, that can deliver pricing at one to three pennies a pill. It's just you don't need a PPM anymore if you've got access to wholesale. Well, yes, and we when we work with employers, we always hire a 
an independent PBM and we're able to get really good prices on those types of drugs that you're talking about, the type that you can purchase from a wholesaler. But the real issue isn't those lower cost drugs for an employer. The real issue are the specialty drugs and coming up with solutions for those. They're out there um, and we, we have solutions for them and we do a lot to get, um, whether it's international sourcing or getting people, helping people apply for assistance from drug manufacturers that they're entitled to, or, or even just copay cards or purchasing from a wholesale specialty pharmacy. But any of those things, we can reduce drug costs by 25% just by doing those tools. So um, there's still a lot that can be done, but I really, really, really want to see drug pricing transparency. I'm not going to give up till we have it. Are you going to cry crocodile tears when the hospitals come back for another CARES Act? They're going to want another <laughs> Marshall Plan? You know they're going to ask for one, right? Because they can't. Oh, hire. yeah. They're very, very, very broke. I just heard from them recently, actually, at an event. Um, they're very, very, very broke, you see. Yeah, because their balance sheets don't aren't full enough. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the heroes. I'm going to guess. I'm going to throw some names out. I'm going to guess they're your heroes. I don't know. I'm going to throw Marty McCary. Actually, Marty and I went to grad school together at Harvard like 25 years ago. We have been pals ever since. Oh, yes. Love him. Okay. Big hero. I'm going to say Marilyn Bartlett is a hero. Of course. Yes. Love her. She's so great. Who's Although they re- they just reversed what she did in I know. Uh, Montana. It's disgusting. disgusting. New Jersey's about to do the same, by the way. Yes. It shows you have to stay vigilant. You have to yeah. stay vigilant. Let's talk about our girl from New Jersey. What do you think about her? Chris Deacon. Yeah. I love her. She's so, so, so smart. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any others that are on the list that didn't make it to your Mount Rushmore? Uh, Rachel Means. In, uh, she's doing that. amazing things in Texas um, and around the country. Bryce yeah. Heinbaugh is uh, one of my best friends out of Northeast Ohio. Scott Haas is this awesome sort yeah. of drug ninja. He's been on the show. Yep. Um, gosh, who else? I mean, there's there's so many. I, I Golly. You know, I really love this um, direct contracting entity called um, Health to Business. I really like what they're up to. They're kind of regionally located right now, but they're growing. I also love um, this organization called Coral. I don't know if you've ever spoken to them, Mm -hmm. but they are a platform that you can put direct contracts on and you can put your own, like if you're an employer or you're an advisor like me, you can put your own direct contracts on there. If you're a hospital or a provider practice, you can put your direct contracts on there and you can open contracts that you have with any given party up to many other parties if you'd like to do that and make them available through the platform. And it makes it easy to get everybody paid and all the paper to flow right when you're using a bundled upfront rate or a direct contract. And I and they don't overcharge for their the services. I really like them. Yeah, I think Kent does the same thing if I understand the platform. Oh, yes, I see. Yeah, this is more an employer to business platform. All right. Well, Katie, we're going to work on that, ordering that fifth row. Let's talk about uh, how people can find you if they want to reach out to you. Yeah, you can always reach me at allbetter.health, allbetter.health. And my email is katie at k-a-t-y at allbetter.health. Or you can reach us if you want to talk healthcare sharing ministries, which um, is always a fun topic. You can reach me at uh, the Alliance of Healthcare Sharing Ministries website, which is ahcsm.org. That's our acronym, ahcsm.org. We love to hear from folks. And if you could fly banner overhead with one message, gosh, you've got like three different banners you need to fly with all you're doing. But <laughs> what would your message be? 
Oh gosh. Um, my message would be end secret prices, honestly. Like that works for healthcare sharing ministries. It works for individuals. It works for docs and hospitals and the entire healthcare swamp. All right. You heard it here from the talented Katie Talento. Thanks again. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening. You want to shake things up? There's two things you can do for us. One, go to primarycarecures.com for show notes and links to our guests. And number two, help us spotlight what's working in primary care by listening on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribing and leave us a review. It helps our megaphone more than you know. Until next episode.